My name is Nathan Forster, and this is Deeper and Wider, a show where we meet at the crossroads of Christian faith and all of life, from the small to the big, from the mundane to the profound, where we learn people's stories and their specialities, have conversations, and offer perspectives, all of which are shaped and animated by Jesus, his way of life, and the kingdom he came to bring. This show will be a resource for people who, deep down in their bones, think that surely God's kingdom is deeper and wider than the box we have put it in, a kingdom that can permeate all of existence, if we allow it to. So welcome to Deeper and Wider. Worship. What exactly is it? Is it just a music genre that is often found on a Sunday morning church service in a more contemporary charismatic Pentecostal church, the slower part of the musical act of worship? Or is worship a way of life and that in worshipping God renegotiates our relationship to all other things? Well, I think you know the answer to uh, what I think it is. It certainly includes the musical act of worship in the church service, but there's so much more than that. Often some of the best conversations I've had on this topic of worship, not just in the musical setting, but outside a musical setting, not just on a Sunday morning, but outside the walls of a Sunday morning, is often nonetheless with worship leaders. And so I thought to myself that I would interview slash have a conversation with a particular worship leader, someone to whom I deeply admire. And this person is Mwati. Now, Mwati Tembo is a young worship leader who has served in her local church for a few years. Mwati holds a Bachelor of Theology and is involved in different spheres of ministry inside and outside of the church. With gifts in leadership, writing, teaching, Mwati is also the founder of The Global Pursuit, which is a creative project for those in pursuit of life of purpose. Through the many ways that God uses her to serve others, Mwati is especially passionate about followers of Jesus submitting their lives as a form of worship unto God and cares deeply about the church leading the next generation in true and proper discipleship. Needless to say, I thought the conversation that we had was a pure fire, <laughs> pure fire emoji, if you like. And I'm excited for you to hear all about worship through this discussion, this conversation, this interview with Moati. Uh, before we do, I do want to do a bit of a shout out, though. Now, we do talk about the global pursuit, this ministry that she has. Uh, we do that towards the end of the podcast. But before we even go into the show itself, I do want to let you guys know that uh, the Global Pursuit is its great. As I said, it's, that it's a creative and collaborative project for those in pursuit of life purpose based in Perth. But it is fantastic. I do, guys, I do want you guys to all check it out um, by going to theglobalpursuit.com or even going onto Instagram and following The Global Pursuit at The Global Pursuit. Anyway, shout out to, to that. Shout out to Mwati as well. If you want to follow Mwati, it's M-W-A-T-I underscore T-E-M-B-O. Mwati Tembo. Anyway, without further ado, let us talk about worship as we go into this conversation, discovering that worship is much more 
than the music genre. It is a way of life. So enjoy today's episode of the podcast. You're going up the world's tallest building, which is in Dubai at the moment. And it's like a three minute elevator ride and you're in the elevator and someone turns to you like, oh, tell me about who you are as we're going up the elevator. What, what would you tell them? Oh my goodness. And you've got three minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you do have to sum it up because three minutes can be a long time. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) what what are the the typical things that you would like people to know? I guess I would probably I would probably start off with saying I'm from Perth. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not local. Yeah, that's right. I'm from Perth, and then they'd probably be like, "Oh, okay, Australia," and I'd be like, "Yeah," but then. People look at me, and so I'm obviously African. <laughs> like, yeah, African descent. So I was yeah. born in Zambia, so I'd probably talk about that. So born in Zambia. I moved to Perth when I was nine years old. Um, I've lived here since. Um, still got lots of family back in Zambia, which we do, like, try to visit them every now and again. And so uh, when people see me, they can tell that I'm African, and then they hear me. And then... <laughs> They're kind of like, are, are you from <laughs> like from Perth? Were you born in Perth? Were you like, what what are you? Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of everything. Um, but I do like to say I, I just I love God. Like a big part of my life and my very existence is really just wanting to serve God with my life. Um, so everything that I do flows from that. Um, I'm involved in lots of different spaces where I actually do uh, live my life in in worship, <laughs> really, to actually honour God um, and just trying to be obedient along the way, whatever that looks like. So that's me. Yeah, wow. That was a, that was like you're halfway up the, the world's tallest building, but that's great, you know. I feel like the world's tallest building, the elevators are probably pretty far. So we'll probably, oh, yeah. We're probably at the top. Yeah, we yeah. made it now. Yeah, we made it. And now we can look at the beautiful view. That's right. That's right. And it is a it is a very cool view. I did want to get you on to talk about worship and total confession is only because like on your Instagram story, you, you ran a workshop recently on worship. Yeah, I did a teaching. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, what it would be amazing to talk about worship with, you know? And yeah, so I was like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna get you on. If the elevator rides now like a much taller building like they were 50 years in the future it takes longer to get up to the top floor and someone then asks you like to tell us the relevant parts of your life story that brought you to the place of this this fascination of worship like what would be those parts that you would tell um so i probably didn't uh recognize just how significant worship <laughs> uh was in relation to my life till about three to four years ago um when i joined a worship team (laughs) at a like local church so uh, i started serving that space but the journey leading to that was actually quite interesting for me because i didn't grow up um aspiring to be a worship leader or you know aspiring to be on a worship team i actually I'm already quite creative, so I often have done creative things in different spaces. Um, but when God actually called me to join um, my local church's worship team, I literally laughed. I, I, <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> and actually I had this um, 
very <laughs> look i'll let you judge but yeah, i had sure. this i had this perception of worship teams and and worship leaders that probably wasn't the kindest um because i just saw them as people that like a lot of the people that i was around anyway and this is not to be harsh or anything yeah. but I was around people that aspired to be on the platform. They wanted the platform. They wanted the microphone. Um, I had no interest in it. And so <laughs> when when God did call me to that space, I was like, I, that's not for me. Um, and I found it quite laughable. But uh, the reason why he did is because I didn't realize it at the time, but I um, actually felt like he'd play something within me that he was wanting to draw out. Um, and so for the last few years that I've been a part of um, a worship team, I've been able to actually just express that. And I've had to learn <laughs> along the way because, like I said, I didn't do this growing up. Um, I loved music growing up as well. Like I even dabbled in like playing piano and stuff, but I never thought it'd be something that I'd pursue. Um, so that's just a musical side of it. But I think from that and in being involved in music and in uh, a music ministry within a church, um, I started to feel God uh, stirring in my heart like a real um, burden, <laughs> a burden um, and a passion for like purity in worship. Um, because like I said, I was around people that were more concerned about platforms and gifts, like their skill, um, rather than the heart of worship, <laughs> which is far more than being a musician. <laughs> it's yeah, far more yeah. than talent. It's far more than skill. Um, it's actually a heart posture. Um, and it's a lifestyle. And so, yeah, I guess my fascination for worship really has stemmed from my journey in being involved um, more musically in the last few years. But uh, I say that because in that journey, although it's been quite short, God's really um, used that space to just purify my heart. <laughs> um, because when you're leading a, a church and a congregation in worship, like you're actually dealing with God's glory. Um, and it's something that uh, like even throughout the Bible, like you, you see, like, you know, it was in the old Testament, um, when he touches the Ark of the Covenant, like he dies, right? Like he literally drops dead. Like it's a very serious thing. And so like I looked into this space having such a fear of God, uh, because although I was quite cynical before saying yes and being obedient, um, I actually had like a real, uh, a fear and reverence because I knew what it meant to be on platform, uh, carrying a role <laughs> and a title. And I didn't want to actually treat it, um, like it was a small thing, you know? And so, yeah, I've, I've recognized along my journey, I've, I've had God really pull up some stuff in me, like yeah. some real deep stuff. And yeah. he's used that space, um, in actually purifying me as a vessel. Um, as an instrument of worship, yeah. but it's also had very little to do with being a musician yeah. <laughs> or yeah. a vocalist. Like it's yeah, had right. very, very little to do with yeah. um, being on a platform and leading people in worship and more to do with my my life full stop. Yeah, fascinating. Because yeah. I guess like there's a sense in which, especially a lot of the listeners of this podcast would, um, especially more charismatic, Pentecostal listeners, like their association of worship tends to be with music, but for yourself, even though that was certainly kind of the gateway into this topic, I guess more so, you it was only a bit of a gateway into like, oh, there's the musical act of worship, but then there's this broader kind of, I'm not sure what's the right word, world of worship or just the reality of, of yeah. God's glory in worshipping. Like, and you mentioned purity as as well. Could you maybe unpack that, what what you mean by, by, by that? Well, I think one thing that I often go back to when the Bible talks about worship like john i think john 4 24 says that we should actually worship him in spirit and in truth right yeah. so 
I think in the church, like we, a lot of us do know that verse and that scripture and we might quote it, but I feel like it's actually quite interesting because at the moment the church's going through a really <laughs> powerful like refining <laughs> at the moment, I think the church entirely across the globe. Um, and I feel like there's actually a restoration of purity back in the church happening because I think along the way, um, and even for my generation, I've grown up in church uh, becoming something that uh, we've seen in a lot of mega church movements. We've seen um, even like, you know, Christian celebrity culture grow, you know, I've grown up around that. And I feel like God um, in his mercy and kindness is really actually trying to bring us back to the main thing, yeah. which is not that. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's a big part of what I mean by purity in the church, but even as followers of Jesus, um, naturally, as we walk with him, we become more like him, right? And so anything that's uh, distorted, anything to, anything sinful, anything broken, you know, anything that's not his will and his way, yeah. as we actually behold him, <laughs> as we worship him, as we serve and honor him, all of that has to, at some point, be let go. You know, it has to die. <laughs> it has to be crucified, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I feel quite strongly just as, Personally, like my conviction as a follower of Jesus, as I've, I've grown up in church and I actually grew up quite religious, if I can be honest, you know, like I grew up knowing about God and all of that. And I remember when I finished high school and started to actually seek out what I was going to do with my life, um, just really recognizing just how much I, I had to unlearn <laughs> and relearn about what it actually meant to be a disciple. And a big part of that was going through that refining process. Yeah. Um, it was going through that purification. It was going through unlearning a lot of attitudes and belief systems that I'd adopted, you know, growing up that actually weren't, if I was to be honest, they didn't line up with scripture. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah it was actually more cultural things, cultural yeah. systems rather than um, biblical. Um, and so, yeah, I think if that answers your question, I feel like a, a big part of what the church is going through, but um even what we go through anyway as followers of Jesus mm -hmm. is that we have to be purified because God's holy. Yeah. <laughs> He's so holy. And and I think he he cares very much. Yes, there's the mercy of God and the grace of God that covers all things, mm -hmm. but he actually does care that we become more like him so that we can better reflect him. Yeah, you know? wow. and, and that requires that purification. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and that's that's really insightful. I mean, I'm like I'm thinking of so many things going through my brain. There's so many different angles to take it, but I really liked how you spoke about, yeah, this notion of the purification, especially in our time, um, you know, looking at the the church at, at the moment, you know, particularly in the West where it's been, uh, you know, it's been quite, yeah, celebrityism, kind of corporatism, kind of like all these things kind of have come kind of interlaced within the, the church at the moment and you're going, oh, actually there's a, uh, I know we're not the only people saying this, but certainly a sense of discernment that we're discerning that actually God wants us to really seek after holiness. God really wants to, to, to use, you know, the play on the word purity. Yeah. Purify kind of what's happening. Um, and that's one angle. The other angle I'm thinking of, it's like the whole concept of revival as well. Like something has to, die before yeah. us to revive yeah absolutely <laughs> and maybe there's certain things that have to die in our 
kind of way of doing things. Yeah. Those, the things that, that need to go away and die off in the act of purifying, yeah. I guess. So, mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. You're right. I mean, for things to be revived, we know this, it has to die. <laughs> um, so it can actually be brought up again. But I think often we want what comes back up to be what we know. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Fire emoji. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, it's hard because yeah. it, it's not a pretty process. I'll tell you, like for, even from, and you would know this, right? When God brings up something in your life and you're like, ooh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right? um, it's, it's painful. It's not comfortable. It's not cute. You don't post it on Instagram. I mean, some people do. But <laughs> some people will tell you what they're going through, you know, in that process. But I think with revival even, if we want to call it that, um, it's not pretty. It's messy. <laughs> it's very messy. Um, but to actually have what needs to be alive again brought back up that process of dying there's actually a process of mourning and grieving as yeah, well wow that's a, we, yeah you know what i mean like yeah, we actually yes. we probably will be grieving things that we we knew things that we did things we practiced things that we got so familiar with i, I think there's an aspect of actually that loss and that grieving that we're probably going to have to go through yeah. but what comes back and that life that comes back is actually far better far better than what we've even lost yes um but it takes i think it takes maturity to actually recognize that i think sometimes people get stuck because they're so focused on what was yeah. and they miss like the good old days you know or they yeah. miss what they knew when they missed that time and yeah. that season that they actually don't recognize the beauty of what god mm-hmm. is bringing back um in his church and yeah, it's interesting for me because I think even as people have spoken about revival, um, there's this beautiful like excitement and expectation as well with it. Um, but there's also, I recognize, I think there's been a bit of hype <laughs> around it too, um, which I think concerns me a little bit because I, I think back to like even just like looking into past revivals, it's not something that, you know, it's, it's not actually something that we can be like, oh, because it's yeah. like oh god's actually doing something like yeah. wow it's actually like oh god's doing what his church was always meant to be like he's yeah. literally bringing back something yes. that his yeah. church was always like we look at like the acts church like we see revival now in the modern day and it it very much aligns with like the acts yeah. <laughs> church right and, and people moving in the spirit and seeing miraculous healings and all of that but that shouldn't be surprising i don't think yeah. to followers of jesus i think it actually should be something that we know is god at yes. work yeah. <laughs> and through people it shouldn't be like a, oh my gosh but unfortunately that's the case for a lot of people right yeah. um yeah so i guess in and things being brought back to life in in revival taking place i think there is that restoration there is that purification um but it's a returning of what the church was always meant to be yeah. because along the way we've yeah. lost sight of that yeah. you know along the way it's become about um and i think like i said before like i've grown up um in that mega church movement where it's been about drawing people into the church and creating programs that attract people to church and we want people to come in right but i think in that drawing people in um it's become very much about performance (laughs) um unfortunately 
Um, and we, we almost have to keep entertaining people in order for them to stay in the church. Yeah. But we're not actually releasing people and empowering them to go outside of the church. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's kind of become this like, oh, yes, we love church and we love the house of God. And don't get me wrong, like I'm all for the house of God and the church. Um, but I just feel like in a broader perspective, um, that revival is actually breaking down a lot of that. It's actually taking away a lot of that um, disempowered Christian faith. Yeah, wow. Yeah, no, really <laughs> yeah, interesting. Where people don't feel like they can actually go out beyond the four walls of the church and be the church. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I love that. I mean, I've, it's in so many different angles to take this. I mean, part of me is even thinking like with a particular model of um, how we do church and the like, like we, um, and I, I'm a, I'm with you. I'm like, a, I'm, I'm still like a super fan of doing Sunday services. Um, it's just, we have to be so intentional with what that looks like. And if, if we don't intentionally structure our services in, in ways that are worshipful to, to the glory of God, um, then yeah, it can be so easy to, I don't blame people not wanting to to go or treat it as optional if it is if it is just a seeker sensitive yeah. friendly service as yeah. opposed to something where you feel like you're getting swept up in the story of what God has done is doing and will do. There's something kind of beautiful around around that. But but yeah, what that looks like, um, yeah, what that looks like that's going to be really interesting on the far side of certain elements dying that we ought to grieve. Mm in the very act of being of, of God's revivaling, which means certain things die, get washed away. And yes, this refined, this refined reality, this purified reality on the other side. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm riffing. I mean, feel free to interject if, <laughs> if you're, if you any response to that, or even as we're kind of talking about all this. I think where we're moving forward, like just even thinking about like what's next, you know, mm. as much as we, we may get impressions and God will speak to us, you know, like the Bible says, like God will review like things to his prophets, you know, like the scripture around that. And so like, I, I love to listen to a lot of prophetic voices that just speak into um, the seasons that we're in and even coming seasons and what God's doing. And I'm actually really encouraged. Like I genuinely am because um, there's people like trusted prophetic voices um, who actually do believe that this next season, God's revival is just as much as um, just as much about his power as it is about his peace. And so there's this beautiful um, realignment, reawakening of actually recognizing the power of God and the glory of God, as well as his peace. Like God's actually restoring yeah. Um, even peace to his church. I think the church needs that, you know, I think the world needs that. You know what I mean? I think, yeah, where churches and denominations have kind of, you know, pointed out things and, and it's been this almost like war against the denominations. Yeah. I think God's actually wanting to bring peace to his church entirely, to his bride and to his body. Yes. Um, and I think a big part of that as well is that we, we're actually needing to have greater revelations of God's love for us mm -hmm. as people so that the world can see God through us. Right. Yeah, no, so true. Yeah. 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 And I think that as we actually are aligned in 
doing church and not just doing church, but being the church in the way God wants us to be the church, people are actually going to encounter God's love in far greater ways. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I think as well, there's, there's a sense in which I think it was Mark Sayers, the pastor at Red Church in Melbourne, who talks about kind of this next generation of like, we're becoming more like an a non-anxious presence to the world as, as a form of witness. So even when you talked about like um, it, both the power and then the peace of God, I mean, my, my mind went exactly to that thought of like, what would it be like to be a witness in the world? As we worship, we then get shaped by that worship in, yeah. in worshiping God. And then, yeah, we for this particular cultural moment, we start to be people of peace, people of that non-anxious presence. And that's not to imply that, you know, we, you know, just because of my mental health brain does hat does go on, it's not to imply that anxiety is inherently wrong. And all, yeah. you know, there's anyway, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation on the intersection of mental health and, yeah. and theology. But anyway, but putting that to one side, there's nonetheless a sense in which we can be a type of people in the world when we, yeah, I guess when we get shaped by our worship of the one true God and what that then looks like in in church. But um, and, and I'm, I'm I guess I'm curious then, like obviously we're, we're talking about worship in a particular in from a particular angle at the moment. I, I guess some of our listeners, like different denominations, different backgrounds, different associations of what we mean by the word worship. Could you give us, I, I guess, maybe a 30,000-foot view of worship? Like, what are we actually talking about <laughs> when, we, when, we, when we talk about worship? Because obviously we've talked about the kind of the, the musical element, maybe how it shapes us as a people congregationally. Um, and, of course, you know, going to the next season, revival, purity, all that, all that good stuff. But what, what are we... What is worship? <laughs> what, are we, what are we talking about? I guess <laughs> it's actually it's honestly a question I've had to ask myself. <laughs> no, it's a great yeah. question because yeah. yeah, it's it's a brilliant question because we need to actually know what it is in order to actually practice it well. <laughs> um, but I think the Bible actually has so in the Hebrew language is actually like seven words that describe worship. So we have one English word, right? <laughs> but the Hebrew language has like seven different words. So oh, wow. okay. one of them has to do with bowing down in reverence. Um, so worship is an act of bowing down. And, and then there's worship as our work. So what we do as part of our work is actually yeah. worship. So one thing that's really interesting actually is the first mention of our English word of worship um, is actually in Genesis 2 when God commands Adam to work in Eden. Uh, So that word working the land, like that's actually one of the words of worship. So our our act of working and what we do to work is actually a form of worship. Another um, definition, I guess, or practice of worship is um, in in song or in, in music, you know, like we see that in the Psalms where like David plays an instrument, you know, playing the harp, singing praises to God, you know, so many songs where he's like, praise the Lord, right? Um, that's another aspect of worship. So there's there's all these different um, ways of actually describing what worship means, but essentially I would probably define worship as actually uh, ascribing worth to something. So the worth that we give towards something. I think every single human being is actually a worshiper of something <laughs> or someone. Yeah. 
Um, I, I believe God's actually made us in that way that we are worshippers naturally. Um, you don't have to be a musical person to be a worshiper. Yeah. Uh, people are worshippers in business. Uh, people are worshippers as they raise their children. You actually worship as you raise your kids, you know, like any, any form of um, actually honoring and stewarding what God's placed within our lives is a form of worship. Mm. Yeah. No, that's that's good. I mean, I love the. I, I didn't know about the um, the first mention that you had of of the word worship, like on your knees, which kind of makes sense. <laughs> the more I think about it, I've heard of the work one, which was that was awesome for for us as our listeners and myself to be reminded of that. But I also love the element to which you're pointing out in scripture that we are all by default worshiping creatures. I guess as followers of Jesus, how we then do everything as an, an act of worship, so to speak, whether, as you've mentioned, like raising parents and, and, and doing the, our vocation and things like that. Would you say there's also the kind of the dark side element to it of that if somebody isn't actively a follower of, of Jesus, um, that worship can, like if we're by default, you know, it's just part of our humanity that we are worshiping creatures. I think you alluded to it, this possibility, this reality that um, we're all worshiping something or someone. Yeah. Could you unpack that a bit more? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking of the word idolatry, but I mean, Absolutely. I'm not sure what language you want to put to it. Well, I mean, I, I, would, I will touch on that actually now that you bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, but yeah, as, as I did mention, obviously we are worshipers, but I think that in, in Deuteronomy, actually, I'm brought to this. So in Deuteronomy uh, 5, when God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and Moses goes out and tells the Israelites, right? And so um, one of them is you shall not worship any other gods beside, yeah. right? So that's a commandment because yeah. God, we believe, yeah. uh, is the one true God. Yeah. So obviously we do know that there are many other gods that people worship. Um, but that in and of itself, I mean, you, you don't have to follow another religion to be worshiping another God, because even as Christians, I believe people serve many other gods. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, that's I'm a whole that. other. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a whole, whole other, other thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, totally. And anything that we yeah. serve that isn't God, yeah. anything that we worship that isn't, anything we bow down to that isn't God is an idol. Yeah, it right. is yeah. <laughs> quite clearly. Um, I actually listened to something probably a couple of years ago now and this guy did a teaching i can't even i couldn't tell you who it is so i'm not going to take credit for it i have to go back and find it but this guy did a teaching on how much people worship their phones uh very convicting for me because yeah, I mean, yeah. i'm a gen z believe yeah, it yeah. i'm really i'm not even a millennial i missed that boat yeah, you did. <laughs> so i'm growing up in the world of technology um but he talked about how anytime that uh we we get like a ding or like a notification on our phone, right? Like people quickly pick it up. And he's like, that's a form of worship because you're literally bowing down to something that as soon as it actually, you know, reveals something to you or uh, like it, it makes a noise, yes. like we're quick the to learn. revelation. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's revealing. It's like, oh, I've got a message. I've got a... But what he was yeah. really trying to get at was just more of that we, we've created idols for ourselves, you know, like it could be devices, it could be whatever. I think... In, in that whole topic of idolatry, which is a very uh, broad topic, but also quite simple, um, there's just, there's a standard and there's an order of things. And the point that God even made to his uh, people, which is still relevant for us today, you know, when he gave those commandments is that nothing should be above God. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and and often we place many other things before God. And so if I'm, for example, using the phone, if I'm putting my phone and uh, everything that I need to do and priorities that I've made and, you know, tasks that need to be completed before my my worship, which is just giving God my attention yeah. <laughs> um, and putting God in first place in my life at the start of my day, you know, whatever, um, that becomes an idol, right? So if I'm placing those things before God, and I've heard many conversations of people actually putting putting their children before God and their families before God. And I, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I'm yeah. not even going to go into that. Yeah. But um, I'm just sharing more from a perspective of anything can very easily um, become a greater priority yeah. before God. And this isn't to condemn us yeah. um, or shame anyone, but I think that God really wants us to actually have um, some sort of order in our lives mm-hmm. where everything that we do yeah. flows from first yeah. us having our relationship, our intimacy um, and our devotion with him, yeah. right? Yeah. The him becoming our first love, him yeah. being the first one that we run to, yeah. um, him being the one that actually um, leads the way that we do our work, we yeah. do our ministries, we do whatever it is that we're doing that yeah. he, like the Bible says, to seek first the kingdom of God is right, right? Like we yeah. put him as first place. Yeah before these other things. And you'll find that even as we do that, I personally experienced just how much grace and ease there's been to my work and to everything else that I'm involved in when I put God first. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so I, I feel like it's actually such a beautiful principle <laughs> that we yeah. can practice yeah, yeah. Um, in stewarding our lives well, because the last thing we want to do is to have so many other gods that we bow down to and worship and yeah. put before God. And then we feel this frustration. We feel um, like things are out of alignment. I wrestled for years actually as um, a teenager and discovering all this like purpose stuff, you know, because it was kind of like the big thing at the time. And so I was like, what is my purpose? And I would look everywhere else, but God, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so I was trying to find purpose and identity and all these other things that weren't God. And until I actually had a revelation about seeking him first, mm. everything else really did make sense. And yes. I'm like, oh, great, the Bible's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, oh, this makes actual yeah, sense. It makes yeah, so yeah. much sense. So, yeah. Wow. No, I, I love that. I mean, and what I love about what you're saying, and there's, there's two different angles to it that I'm really, really resonating with. There's that angle um, the, the quite literal practice-based angle to it, which is how we actually structure and even our timetable in our day, quite literally in a way. You know, what are we doing with our first waking moment? You know, what is, how does the day that get structured with, with Jesus being the centerpiece, with, with God being the center to which everything else kind of orientates around as opposed to something else starting off our day as the concrete center that we have to run to first then that then then god has to is on the periphery and orientating around that so even from that 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 practice point of view i really like kind of that angle to it but then as well like and something else you said that kind of really really resonated with me was um this this image of like when we put god first those other things kind of kind of workout's not the right word but yeah when we seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness like everything kind of falls into place it's kind of the way i'm thinking about it because i mean i even i've always wrestled with this it's like oh okay once we acknowledge that we have some idols and we, and we put god first and we go on that ongoing transformation growth even as a follower of jesus of 
like over our lifetime learning to detach ourselves more and more progressively from our idols day by day and of course year by years but there's also this sense of like when we put god first it then renegotiates our relationship to those other things and i'll just use an example like money right so it's like because something i wrestled with for years it's like okay i know we're not meant to worship money but what do i do with money what do i do with my economics my wealth my finance whatever whatever word you want to use and it wasn't until i went up oh, when you actually seek god first as top priority then and this is going to sound like a weird picture language but forgive me listeners and whitey for saying it. it's almost like god's will then kind of oozes out of of, of, seek, of seeking god first and oozes into this whole area of money and it actually um gives it a different um I'm trying. I'm playing with the image still of ooze, which is weird. <laughs> it gives. It's. It's like it gives it a different. Uh, sorry, maybe I should pick a different image. <laughs> well, keep going with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll roll with it. I'll roll with it. I've started. I'll, I'll finish. I'll finish with it. Now it's like it. It kind of gets into that whole area, and the the very act of worshiping God, and then then oozing or flooding or. It, it goes down. Yeah, it goes down into yeah. it, and then it's like magical ooze that then transforms what what money is meant to be. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, I'm just picturing yeah, magical yeah, yeah. ooze, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden everything's changed. But it's like, yeah, when we seek God first, I guess this is where I'm going with this. When we seek God first, we then learn through the act of worshiping God first and foremost. We then learn his guidance, his wisdom around how to then renegotiate our relationship to those things which were previously idols, um, such as money, let's say. And we go, oh, okay then. Like I'm putting God first and God's now saying, hey, um, the love of money is a rid of all kinds of evil, but it doesn't make money inherently wrong. But how do you then steward your budget? How do you then, are you looking after the poor in your, in your budget? Are you... Um, yeah, are you being living a simple life? I mean, I'm just using these as examples, but it's more playing what you said. It's like, yeah, there's something about putting God first that then because God's first in the act of worship, that act of surrender, it then renegotiates our relationship with all these other things and puts them in its proper place. Kind of that ordering thing that you, you spoke about. So it's not like, oh, we worship God first and then secondly we'll worship money. <laughs> it's like in the very act of worshiping God, it then changes how we yes. see those other things. Yeah. Is that, and yeah. it's, I think even just to add to that, like because we put God first, I think people sometimes think that they then neglect responsibilities. Mm. No. <laughs> you still have responsibilities, you know what I mean? Um, and it's also not a religious practice like because I've found so many people, and I've wrestled with this too, um, where – you do want to actually put God first place in your life and you want to hunger for the things of God. But then you're like, well, how do I do that? And so I'm like, I'm going to force myself to like read five hours yeah, of yeah. scripture per day and not eat a meal, you know, yeah. and I'm yeah. like a hunger strike. Anyway, um, <laughs> but it, it doesn't have to be that. It's really just relationship. Yeah, That's all God's asking for us. Yeah. You know, he's, that's all he's asking from us and of us. He's actually wanting us to be in a relationship with him and that that's not going to look the same all the time yes we do practice like spiritual disciplines and we we want to have some form of a discipline uh spiritual walk Mm -hmm. but ultimately what god's actually asking of us when he says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness we actually we're not doing it because jesus 
just told us to for no reason. We're yeah. doing it because we love him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing it because we we want to see more of his kingdom here on earth and in our yeah. lives. Yeah. And we want to see more of his righteousness on earth and in our lives. Yeah. And it's out of this, this love and this passion of Christ <laughs> um, and desire for him to actually be at work in and through our lives. And so yeah, I've had to actually really, like I said, like I'd been doing a lot of unlearning. Um, this has been something that I've had to walk through in a way of going, okay, this isn't um, just going, oh, I'm going to be like this very, <laughs> you know, strong for Jesus, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But I'm actually wanting to be somebody that has a heart that loves God, <laughs> truly yeah. loves yeah. God. And so I will pray things like, Lord, help me to love you. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously it's yeah. as simple as that yeah. um because i'm human and i'll probably love a lot of other things <laughs> that, that are fighting for my attention right and, and so yeah like going back to that worshipful heart um and that worship of of our lives it's actually it's really about relationship oh i love that and and it's one of those things even though it sounds so simple i think that that's the beauty of it um like worship on our knees i mean not, not literally but can be um but that sense of surrender in which we we renegotiate our entire lives in relationship to god i really like that um especially on the 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 play you made on the whole area of spiritual practices which you know i i love too but the one particular christian philosopher who always talks about um who always talked about spiritual disciplines was Dallas Willard, but even mm -hmm. Dallas Willard, who's very well known as like the yeah. goat of like <laughs> of spiritual practice, spiritual disciplines with his friend, Richard Foster and, and people like that. But even here towards the end of his life, when someone asked him about what his routine looks like, he actually said, Oh, I actually, he says like, I just, I don't know. I don't really have much of a routine, which maybe that's more to do with spiritual maturity where you can get to the point where, you know, in your life, you don't have to be so regimented. It just becomes part of your DNA if in, in the most entrenched way to just commune with God in every waking moment, which is probably more to do with um, growing in faithfulness yeah. over a whole lifetime. But there was something um, about what he said that just really stood out of like, here's the spiritual disciplines goat. Someone asked him about his routine, but he's just like, what oh, routine? No, I don't really have a routine. It's like, yeah, like obviously the one of the one liners was like expand your calendar. Like it doesn't have to like be, oh, I'm gonna fast this day and, and like that. And I think to start with it's good, but even the way you told me it's like, yeah, you know, sometimes I'll go through a season of fasting and I won't. Yeah. And some but it's like, yeah, like I'll read scripture and pray every day and things like that. But you know, even there it's all within this constant abiding. And I'm like, oh, I love that. And like, so even even though I'm all for things like spiritual practices, kind of having like a routine, a rule of life, if you like, um, there is something about as we grow in Christ, it just becomes the natural part of our of life. Yes. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love how you use the word abiding. Yeah. Because I think that sums it up so beautifully. Like it, it really is. And you know, I mean, John 15 talks about like literally be connected to the vine, you know, and that, that is what it is to abide. It's that yeah. we're constantly connected. And so I find that a religious mindset will go, okay, when I'm reading the word, I'm connected. And as soon as I stop, I'm not connected. 
but hang on a second. (laughs) You can be connected as you wash your dishes, you know, (laughs) like you're connected as you're driving in the car, you know, there's this, this heart posture, uh, of actually, uh, it's really practicing mindfulness and Mm -hmm. and this awareness of God in everything that we're doing and everywhere that we are. Um, and so, yeah, I do love that. I love, um, that God invites us to actually abide in him because, because of his love for us. Right. And I think one thing that recently that's just really um been probably a passage of scripture that's really stood out to me in this season um is mary when she uh pours perfume over jesus feet and washes his feet with her hair um and i felt god speak to me out of that passage so clearly about firstly that that heart of worship because she was worshiping him in that moment she brought herself low she was bowing down she was actually pouring out her love uh, and everything she had onto Jesus, but she had a revelation of who he was and she loved him so much that she was willing to do that. And I felt God say to me, um, which actually it comes from second Samuel, I think where David says, I will not give God that which has cost me nothing. Because for Mary in that moment, what she poured out was like her life savings, (laughs) you know, and expensive perfume. Very expensive (laughs) perfume. Um, And there's a part in that uh, passage of scripture where it says that the, the, fragrance of the perfume filled the room and I felt God say to me and he was like you know that's what it would be like where I can actually fill my house if people actually bow down Mm -hmm. and not not in a a weird like when we humble ourselves when we humble ourselves and actually show our love for God and our worship for God and our desire for him he'll show up and I think one thing so being uh, involved in like worship leading and all of that. Um, I've had like weeks where you're like, where was the presence of God? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'll be in like certain services and you're just like, Lord, where are you? Like, please come. <laughs> please, 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 <laughs> please show up. But I really feel like even from that and from Mary's example, I feel like that really is an example. Like often we want God to show up in powerful, miraculous ways, but we're not willing to actually do anything that will cost us anything. We're not willing to sacrifice. Like what's it going to cost you, Marty? You know what I mean? Like if you really want me to come, (laughs) like what are you going to actually do that will actually cost you something? Like David said, I will not give God that which has cost me nothing. So David as a king. Yeah. He said this when he was a king, right? He understood like the king of kings yeah. was worth so much more wow. that even he said, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, it has to cost me more than that. Wow. Wow. He understood that. Wow. He understood God's lordship over yeah. his life. Yeah. He understood God's sovereignty. And yeah. so there's this beautiful, I don't know, I just love how it all comes together, you know? Like you, you just see that that heart. Yeah. Firstly, we love God. You know, and if we don't really know how to do that, we can we can just ask him. Yeah. <laughs> Help me to love you, God. Yeah, Help me to love you. Yeah. Um, but teach me what it looks like to worship you. And I, I think one thing about worship as well, um, is that it naturally as followers of Jesus, like it's gonna cost us. <laughs> um, but when it comes to our worship and when it comes to actually experiencing and witnessing um, powerful uh, moves of God in our lives or in, in our workplaces or our ministries, there has to be some sort of a sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, the Levitical priests did that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones that made the sacrifices on behalf of the people so that the glory of God was yeah. so tangible yeah. in the temple, in the tabernacle. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, whereas like now, New Covenant, right? Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. 
so we can literally just come before him wear the temples and i guess even what i was saying about like purification the reason why we go through that purifying that refining the reason why the church is going through that is because god wants to actually make his manifest present oh i love that so powerful in us and around us yes yeah oh i love that and so many wow so many powerful stuff there as you were talking, I was I was even thinking about kind of, and I love that he used the word manifest presence because it it kind of speaks into that that both and it's it's there's something about when we actually intentionally purify hearts that both um, actually I'll just say it like this kind of a metaphor I've been playing with for a while. It's um it's like if I was to go outside on a very humid day yeah. and then slow myself down, like do mindfulness stuff. I could then notice the moisture that's already around me, but then um, that doesn't mean that I don't want it to then rain. So it's just both and. So it's like God's presence is already with us in this room right now as we're talking and God's presence is in us. And so, um, and then things like spiritual practices, especially contemplative spiritual practices can help be, and they're just tools, right? They're not the main thing, but they can be the thing that removes away the, the the dross of what, like the things that are kind of like veils, if you like, um, they get between what God's already doing around us. Like God's presence isn't somewhere else. It's already here with us. And we just have to kind of um, become aware of what God's already doing. So that's that more God's presence is already with us thing. But then I love what you talked about as well, that there's also this part of it, which is the manifest presence of God of which we, because of the new covenant, because of what Jesus has done, we can step into step into an act of worship. Um, but that doesn't mean we might not do like the Acts 2 component of like really seeking after the Spirit, really praying, but then the Spirit does come and it does pour out. And that's like the second half of the metaphor, right, where it's like there's a contemplative element, which is like sitting and like noticing, quote, unquote, the moisture around us. And that's the plane with the idea that that's like God's already here presence. Um, and we can do more of that and we ought to do more of that, but then there will be times where the rain comes, where the spirit in a much more manifest presence way, the glory of God, or, or as I've heard it said before, the Shekinah glory of God just like falls and it's just both and, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that's a bit of a riff on on what you're saying. It's just a, you know, and it reminds me of both, I guess like, especially because we're talking about revival before purification, like it's all reminded me of the need in this kind of season of what it means to be a worshiper, like um, especially whether it's in the congregation setting or or even just in our day-to-day lives, like the need for both that contemplative contemplative angle as well as the charismatic angle, like it's a both and, like we need a, we, and, and, you know, it's it's both the uh, Christian mystic brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God, doing the dishes and just actually going, stopping and going, God can be here right now. And it's also like, come Holy Spirit, like all, you know, it's like, we'll be aware of you, but we want more of your already here presence. Anyway, I just, I'm riffing. No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And you're so right. And I think that there has to be, um, even I guess in our worship uh, moments, you know, as a congregation, um, some people respond more to the contemplative, the slower, the more still. They encounter God far more powerfully in those moments, whereas others draw more towards the, 
the more loud, the more vibrant, the more, you know. And, and so I think even as we actually lead people and steward those atmospheres and those moments, I feel like there does have to be a practice of the both, you know. There has to be this this slowing down because for some people slowing down is painful but they probably need to do it more (laughs) you know they probably need to practice it more because they're so used to the the rushed and the the hurriedness and the busyness and the constant uh stimulation and you know the lights and this um whereas others uh who are more familiar with the slowing down the the practicing that mindfulness that stillness um i find that you know they actually are probably in a better place to not just hear god um but even sense and speak into what he's wanting to do (laughs) you know and so there has to be this beautiful balance of both and depending on on what you're drawn to i think even in different seasons there's different things that will actually minister to us you know in different ways there's some seasons where i'm i'm very much more i just gravitate towards the still the you know practicing the presence of god um and that feeds me um and then there's other seasons where actually my my worship and not just on a platform i'm talking about in my personal life like it's 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 a little more fiery man like it's you know it is loud it is you know and there's a bit of like warfare stuff going on there um it's there's more passion there's more you know and so i feel like god god meets us in both like the the psalm 23 like he leads me by still you know and then he comes like fire (laughs) you know like there's there's this both there's both and so yeah, I think know your season, like know your season um, in different moments as well. I think rather than defaulting to what we're familiar with or what's our cup of tea, I think as as leaders, you know, and this is for like church leaders or worship leaders, whatever, I think we need to be able to actually um, know how to shepherd and lead people in, in those different aspects. And if you can't do it, bring in people that can't. <laughs> because not everyone's going to respond to the same way that you encounter God. Yeah. And I think it's it's actually showing love when we're able to create spaces uh, that allow people to encounter God yeah. in a way that's, you know, mm-hmm. um, familiar to them or, or even just relevant to them yeah. in some ways, wow. you know. Yeah. Um, and so if it's, if it's during a worship service or, you know, church service, having those moments of stillness where people slow down, where we actually have this mindfulness of God and then having, having the instruments, having the songs, having the praise, you know, lifting up high praise, like all of that, like there's, there's room for all of it. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. Oh, I love that. And it's actually very convicting for me to hear that, to remind myself of the more, spicy element i like to call it the spicy the fire (laughs) we like the zing if you like you know um i forgot which episode of i was i was listening to a john mark comer's um he's got that ministry at the moment he's doing um practicing the way and uh it's it's so good and he did the different episodes on prayer recently and um you know he he obviously did the stereotypical in John Mark Comer fashion, like, you know, the more contemplative, like abiding with God's presence and things like that. But he had this one person on this particular Pentecostal um, pastor from, um, oh, goodness. He was he was of African descent, 
um, but lived in America, not not African-American, but anyway, but he had that kind of background in him, so to speak. And he, he was he was great because he actually convicted John Mark Comer in the sense he'd be like, no, you need to, you need to push in. Like yeah. there is a time for prayer. There's a time for actually really intentionally seeking after yeah. the presence. And so even as, even as I'm like listening to you, I'm like thinking of all these like, oh man, I need to remind myself actually that it's a both and. You know, it's it's both the contemplative slowing down, distilling, well, sensing or discerning what God's doing right now, and it's like, are oh, we gonna press in? Like, and we actually like, cultivate even practices in that. Like, I, you know, I gotta. I mean, it's a typical pentium means like I gotta, I gotta start praying in tongues more. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, like, it's 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 the whole, it's the whole thing. Um, no, it's anyway. I, I'm just um, I'm. I love it. I'm actually being convicted as you're speaking. Oh. You know, it's 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 wonderful to go. Oh, actually, we need this both and still. Um, wow. Yeah, that's so good. good. Yeah, and it reminds me of like as well. Yeah. Um, kind of even the both and on what we talked about earlier on, like even the whole concept of practices, because you know we were like, yeah, even the practices are just tools. It's really about relationship. But even there, it's like. Um, the best metaphor I can think of, it's so um, unoriginal, but it's like the whole concept of like if you're married to somebody, you both need the um, kind of the stereotypical date nights or like set times, you know. But then if it's just that and you go, oh, we're only going to chat during those times and I'm going to ignore you throughout the rest of the, the seven days of, of, our, of, of our existence, right, then it's problematic. But then if it's just the um, ad hoc, you know, but you never set some time aside. So it's like it's both and even there. It's like, anyway, I'm just riffing now of like, oh, it's, it's both and there. It's both and yeah. there. Anyway. I think that actually, I mean, that speaks to how we actually live our relationship with God, mm. right? Yeah. Like you do have those set times, which is why it's important to gather mm. as yes. the church, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally, I'm picking up what you're putting down because yeah, yeah. I totally see that. I see how that's relevant. Yeah. There's... There's those set times that we set aside in our week, yeah. you know, to actually be around other followers of Jesus, like yeah. not neglecting the like the fellowship right. of the right. So we we set those times and we actually set that aside to do that, and and that in and of itself is a spiritual discipline. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to church because. Uh, it's just in the Bible, and you know, I, and my pastor told me um, I'm actually I'm wanting to go because there's something about getting together with other believers, um, and, and there's also like aside from the getting together, and, and we don't just rely on the Sunday service, but we do have and we cultivate that relationship in our Monday to Saturday, right? So, yeah, I I really do. I do love that imagery of marriage because, I mean, we're in that yeah. union with God as his yeah. bride, right? Yes. We're, yeah. we're in that union with Jesus. And yeah. so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just riffing. Oh, that's so good. Because I think, like, there, there's been a tendency in church circles of, like, either extreme. It's like it's either it's all about the Sunday and and you know, there's the whole stereotype. It's like you go to Sunday, and then the rest of the six days is, yeah. you know, who cares, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but then if it's the other extreme where it's like it's about the whole seven days, but within that whole seven days, you don't have 
um, you have your whole seven days dedicated to God, but then you have one day that's like capital D dedicated to God and like we're going to gather together, we're going we're gonna to rest, we're going to have Sabbath or wh- whatever, but you, you get what I mean. It's like, it's like all this sacred and then we also have to create space and time for our capital S sacred encounter. Yeah, we need to practice the presence of God and we need to set time aside to do a capital P practicing of the presence of God. Yeah, we need to discern what God's doing contemplatively um, around us right now and we need to have some time and we seek after God intentionally in an act of worship. Um, anyway, so I, I, want, I want to give more space to you, Moadi, if, if you have some truth bombs that you just want to share with us because, like, I, I, I want to hear them if you've got other ones. If you just want to just drop them, like, like what's what, what's the emoji which would imply? Is it a fire emoji? I don't know. Yeah. It's something. Something. Or a mic drop emoji, like a microphone with, like, the little lines that indicate it's falling. Just tell us some, what are some things that God's been talking to you about worship, even if it's some one-liners or something. I just want to hear your wisdom on, on that. Oh, that's a good one. Uh the first thing that comes to mind is worship is for God, not for people. Um, it's not about my preferences. It's not about your preferences. It's it's actually for God. So when we worship, uh, even as a worship leader, I've had to navigate this because obviously I'm submitting to a leadership. Um, I'm wanting to serve the community and the church. I'm wanting to serve my team that I'm rusted on with and all of that. And so it's very easy to try to like mold things to people's wants and preferences and, and, you know, all of that. And even uh, seasons that we might be journeying as a church, but I have to always remember that the first priority is actually setting up my worship sets or um, preparing in a way that the focus is God. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's God. Yeah like we're all coming together so that we can actually behold him. We can look to him. We can worship him. Um, And you find that when we actually exalt God, which actually one of the Hebrew words of worship is also exalting him, when we place him above everything else, people come to church with something that's happened in their week. They're carrying stuff, you know, they're, they're believing for something like there's who knows where they're at on their journey. Right. But when we actually look to God and we place him above what I like or what I think or my yeah. opinion, yeah. like all of this other stuff, actually, it becomes so much smaller. Yeah. yeah, You know, it becomes so much smaller. Whatever worries I was coming in with, they become so much smaller. So that's probably the first like truth bomb, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And, and just on that, I mean, that's more like congregational type style, musical act of worship setting. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah more yeah. congregational side. On a, on a more personal level though, um, I think Romans 12, 1, which actually talks about our bodies being a living sacrifice, right? Like it literally says, this is our true and proper worship yeah. Yeah. in the NIV. Um, I think that that verse <laughs> carries so much. Yeah. And I actually want to read it out yeah. because I think it's it speaks a lot to worship because yeah. Paul here says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I've read this so many times yeah. right. and I've read it recently, right? And I feel like there's three things that I take away from this 
in relation to worship. First thing, worship is a very holy act. I think we've, for those who've grown up in church, maybe we've become too familiar um, that we treat something that is actually quite holy and sacred as common. (laughs) Worship is very holy. It's actually a very holy practice. Um, To just understand that doesn't mean that we, we like try to separate ourselves from, you know, or like, oh, I'm not good enough. No, no, no. That's not the attitude. That's not the heart. But we're, we're actually worshiping, we're honoring a very holy God, right? So it's a holy thing. Um, And then the second thing is that my entire body, my my body (laughs) is a sacrifice, right? So no longer am I having to slaughter, not that I ever did. I'm not having to slaughter an animal. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not having to sacrifice a little goat, right? I'm the sacrifice. It's me. <laughs> like I bring myself before God as an offering. That's my ultimate worship. And and the third thing I think that I take away from this is that we can only worship God by his mercy. Mm-hmm. Yes, in view of God's mercy, yeah. offer your yeah, yeah, yeah. For us to actually worship God well, um, the ability we even have to worship God is because of his mercy. Because like I said, like if, if when we deal with the glory of God and the presence of God, um, where people didn't actually handle that obediently and properly, they died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so it's by his mercy that our practicing of this, the worship of our lives, the worship of our entire being. Yeah. It's because of his mercy we get to do this. And that should actually, that I think should draw us closer to God. (laughs) Really. It should actually draw us closer to God. You know, the Bible says like the mercy of God, um, it triumphs over judgment. And it actually, it's it's meant to lead us to repentance. Repentance is really just turning away from, oh, I I thought I understood this (laughs) on my own. I thought I was my own bit like my own self you know like I thought I could just go do these things yes. because I felt like it you know but when I actually place myself before God as a living sacrifice mm-hmm. yeah there's a there's a price that's paid you oh, know there's yeah. a price that's paid yes. but what I gain goodness me it's so much better because I'm no longer having to strive I'm no longer having to uh, even perform. I'm no longer having, and I'm talking about like in my life, I don't have to do things that uh, please people for the sake of pleasing people. My goal is to please God. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like there's, that's just a few truth bombs that I've been oh, reflecting on. I love them. I love them so much. And I love, yeah, I love that verse in Romans 12, 1. It's, it's so beautiful. I, one thing that stood out for me is, is that bit on the body. Um, and, and this is a bit of a riff and I won't go down this tangent too far. Um, but like, I think it was the Christian philosopher, James K.A. Smith, like his idea is that sometimes we can worship. And when he uses that word, he, he does meet in that congregational setting of like, we can sometimes worship as if we're brains on a stick, you know? And this is what I love about our church tradition that we're a part of, you know, um, which has that more charismatic penty vibe. Um, you know, sometimes we can get our, theology offbeat when we talk about the body but in terms of our practice we're like we're lifting our hands you know i mean some services we're on our knees it's like we're actually incorporating our whole physical self in the in the act 
of um, glorifying, lifting up the praises and worship of God. Anyway, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole because I want to honor your truth bombs as they are. They're just so good. Oh, my word. I will say this, just as you were sharing, like, you know, when we, we give our bodies to God, we lift our hands, We you know, there is that element of it. And I, I think back to when I was a lot younger, like being in services and um, I was involved in a church where um, they basically raised me. I kind of just say this, <laughs> like they literally raised me. Um, that's, that's really where I learned um, what it meant to actually serve God. Um, but I remember really wrestling with, with the lifting of hands. Like it just felt weird for me. <laughs> And partially, like, that was because I was so self-conscious, right, at the time. And, and so practicing that was like, oh, I don't want to, like, be that weird person. <laughs> but I realized because I was reflecting on this, like, now I'll be like, my hands are up, you know, like, wherever God leads me, like, I'll respond. But that's because I've had a revelation, a greater revelation of who God is. So my response naturally is yeah. my hands go up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so for people that I just thought, I don't know, I feel to say this, for people that sort of struggle with that or they're like, oh, I don't know, is that a weird thing? Um, I feel like when we have that true revelation of God yeah. and who he is to us, we cannot help but yeah. respond yes. in that way, yeah. Yeah. you know? And it could be that practicing of lifting our hands yeah. Yeah. in worship, yeah. but it also is a practice of how we live our lives. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, because I think like, and I, sometimes I think about it through like the lens of like even some traditional churches, like the Anglican church, like they'll often go on their knees, you know, during parts of prayer or they'll go down and receive communion. So there's like physical kind of embodied practices in that. Anyway, I don't want to riff on, on that because I think you've said it so beautifully around, around that. Although one thing I will say, because um, you reminded me as well, of like I went through that full circle because I, when I started following Jesus, it, I'm, I would still say I'm a, I guess a more contemplative Pentecostal, but um, but um, I nonetheless like Pentecostalism was like my bread and butter as 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 part of my my faith journey still is part of my tradition. I went full circle where I was like I was just lifting up my hands because everyone was doing it. That makes sense. Then I then I went through a season of my faith where I was just like no one's gonna make me lift my hands, and I'm like. The worship is like, they everyone lift up your hands. I'm, like, I'm not going to lift up my hands. And I'm like, I will lift them if I want to lift them. You know? <laughs> but then I've gone full circle again. I'm going like, actually, I want to respond to God with everything I am. If that's on my knees, if that's lifting my hands, like, I will, yeah. I will do it. Anyway, yeah. anyway, oh, oh, Mwadi. Oh, so much truth bomb, so much. So much like, yes, so good. Uh, look, before we finish, I, I kind of, First of all, did you want to share anything else? Before, like, yeah, okay, no, just checking. Um, but you, you do. Um, I know that's not the main reason why we're here today. But, but I, I, before we started recording, I was like, "Do you want to talk about global pursuit?" You're like, "We don't have to." I'm like, "No, you can." So, what is what is this this side thing you're doing? Your main thing? I don't know. What you t you tell me? What what, what? go? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> just throw it in there yeah um so there's this project that i kicked off uh probably about two years ago now uh called the globe pursuit but the project itself um man it started like seven years ago <laughs> yeah so god when i was like oh nearing the end of high school and i went through some pretty 
big like life stuff um and you know I lost a family member quite tragically and it was it was just horrid and so in that season I was asking a lot of questions I I was asking a lot of big faith questions um and I've found that a lot of my faith has actually really been built on wrestling with God um and I remember going through probably one of my first (laughs) really big wrestles with God and with faith in that season and asking this question of man, like what, what is life about? Like, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? And, um, I felt God start to stir my heart, um, in discovering purpose and, and what that meant and and journeying with me in actually unpacking my own life purpose and seeking that out. Um, and so anyway, I literally woke up one morning with this idea for a name it was quite funny and I just had the words of Global Pursuit and I was like, oh, that's a cool name. And <laughs> I is. kind of, yeah, well, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just had this like name in my head and I, I, I look it up on Google and I can't find anything. And I'm like, well, cool. <laughs> and so I bought a website that very same time. Oh, really smart. Yeah. smart so I, like, I had this website for like five years. Yeah. Um, but it took five years, firstly, for me to heal from the things that I'd experienced. Uh, it took those five years of actually uh, understanding God's will for my life um, as a follower of Jesus. And and what that really meant was, I mean, I wanted to like go and study psychology. Um, and I was like, cool, I'll just get into this field and make a bunch of money while I help people with their problems. Um I realized very quickly that God had all the plans for me, (laughs) right? Um, And so the Global Pursuit is really about people actually discovering God's purpose for their lives um, and and journeying that out. And it's really for uh, Christian uh, people, young people. Um, I've targeted it towards young women because in that time as well, in those five years, I kept meeting lots of women who just kept talking about the same stuff. And I'm going, why is this not being talked about in the church? You know, and not because no one wanted to, it just wasn't the active conversation happening uh, at the time. And so really, I just, I felt God lead me in creating this platform in this space to talk about those things. Um, And they focus on like the truth of God's word, um, pursuing wholeness um, and purpose. Yeah. Oh, I like that. And and you guys, I mean, I've, I've seen on Instagram, you guys have done some events at the platform and other, other things as, as well. Is there anything coming up immediately or? Yes. So I'm actually, there's another event I'm planning to do uh, in August, possibly September. Um, Just trying to work out some things and getting a guest to come share. So it's actually going to be on the topic of identity sexuality and dignity wow what an awesome topic oh my god so it's pretty it's a pretty loaded pretty yeah yeah, loaded yeah just just small little topic just small topic <laughs> um i did an event my last event was actually on comparison and identity right and just talking about how you know when we compare ourselves we actually lose our own sense of identity yeah. And I had a good friend of mine, uh, Sadara, share at that. Um, but this event, I felt to bring back the topic of identity again, but um, talk about it on uh, what it means to understand our identity and our sexuality and human dignity. Wow. That's that's so good. Oh, my gosh. So I'm not going to share too much. Because I need people to come to the event, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> It's it's like a teaser, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's wonderful. Thank you. Oh, Wati, it's been 
It's been awesome talking. Thanks so much for having me. The great thing about these podcasts, it's really, it's just really great for me to hear people such as yourself share and we just have the opportunity to record it and share it into the world. And um, would you, could you, would you, could you, would you like to close and prayer for us, Moati? I would love that. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you so much that everything that we do (laughs) is because you empower us to do it. Um, And I ask that you would continue to give us grace to do the things, the very things you've called us to do, uh, that we would do it in love. We would do it in a way that serves and honors you uh, and blesses your people. And I just pray, Father, for every listener right now, that they would have a greater revelation of who you are um, and that their hearts would respond in love, in adoration and in worship, in pure worship unto you, Jesus. As we are so loved by you, I pray that we would continue to pour out our love unto you every single day in every way that we can. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yay. Thanks for listening to Deeper and Wider. If you like what you hear, then please subscribe and share far and wide. If you want to get to know me, then follow me on Instagram at Nathan underscore Forster or look me up at NathanForster.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.